You are listening to the Catholic Recon Podcast, testimonies from Catholic reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to leave a review and enjoy this week's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon Testimonies from Reverts and Converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask, and this week's guest is Ellie Maloof. Did I get that right? Is it Maloof? I didn't even check. You can before. call me. <laughs> you can call me whatever you want. Maloof, Marie. Oh, yeah, right great. on, right on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, oddly enough, my wife came across Ellie on, I don't know which social channel, but the point is my wife reached out and she said Ellie would be a great guest. So, um, so happy to have you here, Ellie. And if I remember correctly, you grew up Antiochian Orthodox, which I had not personally heard of, especially on this channel. I think I may have heard of it briefly through an article or something, but yeah, I'd love to hear how this whole journey started for you. Well, it was a pretty wild journey. And I'll just kind of give you like the overarching picture of my story and then I'll go back to the beginning. Um, so my my story, I yes, I grew up Antiochian Orthodox, fell far away from the church, um, got into new age practices, and then eventually came into Catholicism, um, ultimately with the help of our Blessed Mother. So that is like the focus of my, my mission. My ministry is just really our lady and the power that she has, um, to convert hearts for Jesus. So starting back to when I was a a baby, I was baptized into the Antiochian Orthodox church, which is very similar to, you know, if you hear about like Russian Orthodox and Greek Orthodox, um, it is the Eastern, um, you know, the two traditional churches that split and I'm not a historian. I don't know the details, but um, there are some fundamental differences between the two. Um, One being the Pope, that is the main one. They don't have a Pope. They have metropolitans, they have bishops. Um, And another one of the other big things that there is um, difference in is the idea of the Immaculate Conception of Mary. Other than that, they have, um, you know, a lot of the same prayers and major devotion to Our Lady, um, they believe in the true presence in there. I don't know if they call it the Eucharist, but very, very reverent. Um, so that's how I grew up. I was baptized, confirmed, and um, received. They give you your first communion as a baby. Um, my dad is Orthodox, and my mom is Catholic, Roman Catholic. So, And it's not uncommon within Middle Eastern families. I'm Lebanese and Syrian. It's not uncommon to see that type of um, split within a family. So... My parents raised me right. They they sent me to a Christian, non-denominational Christian school. And um, I was always very obedient as a child, always very obedient. And uh, I, I ended up getting bullied a lot in middle school. Um, and you'll see why I'm bringing these things up later. Um, but it was a very hard time for me. And I, I, my parents tried, you know, we, we prayed and they did all the right things, but I never really felt a connection with Jesus or Mary. I kind of just did as I was supposed to do again, that obedience that I had from my parents. Um, and then I got into high school and I found a good group of friends. I maintained most of my innocence at that time. And, um, but felt myself starting to get pulled away a little bit, just feeling, um, a little bit more rebellious, but again, that obedience, kicked in and I kind of just did what my parents needed me to do. And, um, 
just went along with it. Then I got to college and that's when things kind of changed as it does for a lot of people. And um, I kind of didn't know where I was going to fit in. I'd always had a hard time fitting in, especially when I was younger. And I was kind of growing into myself a little bit more, felt a little bit more comfortable in my own skin. And I thought, you know, I'm going to try out the party scene and see if that works for me. Because I didn't do that in high school. I uh, started going to frat parties and started, you know, drinking and doing all that stuff. But there was also a University Catholic Center right on campus as well, ironically sandwiched in between two fraternity homes. And um, my freshman year, I actually decided I was going to try to kind of go that route as well. So that's kind of when my little split life began, where I would go to the frat houses a couple nights a week. And then I would go for choir practice at the Catholic church and I did RCIA and I did, you know, conferences. I went away for a couple of retreats. Um, and it I just, really, it, it, it felt right to. It was convenient. It was convenient. Yeah. At the time, you know, cause I've been asked that question before, like why the Catholic church and just, you know, yes, my mom was Catholic and I felt comfortable with it, but. I think at that point, looking back and really thinking about it, I was just looking for a place to fit in. That's what it boils down to. It's not like I was trying to be religious. I wasn't trying to find Jesus. I was simply looking for a place to fit in. Um, and I thought I found that there. I really did. I found a nice group of people. And um, so Easter Vigil comes around and I had been doing all the things. I did all the classes and the director of the program called me a couple nights before and she goes, Hey, you know, I hate, I hate to bum you out. Oh, and by the way, I was trying to become Catholic, <laughs> left out that major point. Um, and she said, you know, it's not going to work out this time around. There's still some paperwork. We're, we're trying to tie up loose ends. We don't often bring in people who are Orthodox into the Catholic church. Like we're not super familiar with it. Um, there are some rules or some paperwork that needs to be done. Now, this doesn't mean that you can never become Catholic, but it means that for now, we're going to have to put this on hold. And I just remember feeling incredibly hurt at the time because, again, the whole point of me even doing this is that I wanted to fit in, right? And so to be rejected and told like, oh, you can't become in because of the rules, I took that as a big slap in the face. Yeah. Um, and it was at that moment that I just said, you know, I'm done with this. I'm not coming back. I stopped going to choir practice. I stopped going to mass. Um, and I just immersed myself completely in the party life, which I did for the next three years. Um, did you feel that you, probably a dumb question. Do you feel that you fit in there or was it just at that point, like whatever, I'll just hang out with these people. Did you feel like there was some type of acceptance there? Or was it just, because I know, speaking from my experience, you in college can go numb and just float from place to place. And you kind of call it in the moment acceptance, but it's not really acceptance. So I'm just curious. There was a bit of both of that. I did find a good group of friends, I will say. And I, I worked, I worked for four years. I went to UCLA. I worked at the gym there. Um, and I kind of, I kind of got this really good group of friends. Um, but we were wild. And I, unfortunately I've kind of became the ringleader. I mean, I, I got, full, I got fully into it. I was, you know, I was probably partying like two, three nights a week, two, three nights a week, somehow got into nursing school after that. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I think, yeah, of course there was that aspect of it, but I, I do think that once I started to fit in and I kind of got that positive feedback and I kept getting that positive, Oh, we like you. You're funny. You're this, you're that. I was like, okay, this is who I am. This is who I am. Um, and so that had become my identity, my identity. Right. So then I got into grad school up at university of San Francisco, which is a Catholic school. And I believe you're from the Bay Area too, correct? I lived in the Bay Area for, for okay, several so years. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't realize that was a Catholic school. I, yeah. yeah, I remember going to basketball games there. That's yeah, that's fascinating. But you, you would never know it's a Catholic school unless you went into the cathedral. So I'll get to that. So I so all of my identity, again, was based off this group of friends and partying. So I got up there. I was, you know far away from my family. I was living in a basement all by myself. I had no friends. It was kind of like, oh, you got into nursing school. You're going to up and move in a month. I, I remember getting there and just really being like, okay, now I have to start over. I have to try to fit in again. And I just couldn't, like, I just didn't fit in up there at all. And, um, I ended, I kind of, that's when the darkness really saw, started. In college, it was more of like this innocent desire to fit in. And by the time I got to grad school, it was more of like this aching in my heart because I realized that everything that I had been doing to fill myself hadn't filled me. And I was unable to, I was now depleted and I was unable to fill that up in the way that I had been filling it in college. So um, I lived about two blocks away from the cathedral on campus. And again, out of convenience, I was going through a lot of really hard stuff here at home. Um, and the amount of time that I was up at, at school, uh, my mom had major brain surgery. My dad had cancer. My grandma had aortic aneurysm repair. My, her husband, my other, my grandpa had a huge hemorrhagic stroke on my dad's side. My grandma had breast cancer and my grandpa had quadruple bypass surgery. This is all within two years with me being away and not only being away, but me being checked out. I mean, I was using drugs. I was on prescription medications, very high doses of prescription medications. I could barely stay awake in class. I almost got kicked out because I had to talk to the Dean. Um, very, I was in a very rough time in my life and I kind of fell into that place again where, okay, I felt comfort. I remember that comfort that I felt in college going to the Catholic center. And I said, okay, I walked up to the cathedral and I saw, and here I am just a mess, right? I mean, I've got my ripped clothing on and I just did not look like I fit in at all. It was a pretty reverent cathedral. And I just thought I don't fit in here either, you know? And the weird thing about that university is that it's, it's a Catholic university, but they are very much about, they had pride parades on campus. They talked about contraception in my classes. They talked about post-abortion care in my classes. Um, they talked about transgender surgeries in my classes, and this is a Catholic university. What, what what year was this? How long? This this was 2012 to 2014. Whoa! Wow. Yep, I remember going in the locker room there, and I I, might, I probably shouldn't even go into this, but just I vocalized my concerns about the stuff I was seeing, and they're like, "Well, we are, we accept everybody here." I was like, "Okay, I'm all about acceptance. Jesus accepts all of us." I knew at that time, I said, you know, I'm not a great person. I'm, I'm not doing things that are right. You know, I'm using drugs. I'm 
you know, living in a state essentially of mortal sin right now, but I'm not pretending to be holier than thou. I'm not pretending like I'm a, some glorious person. So I guess for me, that's really where my hatred of the church began. My hatred for the Catholic church, because I thought, you know, I did all the right things back in college and you didn't accept me. And now I'm seeing what you do Monday through Friday on campus, what you're teaching in your curriculum. And the, these are your, this is who you are Monday through Friday. And then on Sundays, you come to this cathedral and you veil and you kneel and you have the incense and you are just holier than thou, better than, you're better than me. And I just couldn't find myself fitting into either of these categories. It wasn't progressive. And I also wasn't a super devout, traditional woman at the time. And I just, again, felt very much like an outcast. So that hatred kind of made it so I really didn't want anything to do with the church at all. I never really went back. Um, and after that, things just started to work out a little better for me in my life, right? I, I met my husband. Um, and, and you can interject anywhere here. I'm just kind of in my mind going on the trajectory of my life. But oh, this is good. It's helpful. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got a job at Stanford. I started working up there. Um, and things just started working out. We were able to move back to home, my home in Orange County. We bought a house. Um, I started, then when we moved down here, I started working at the hospital. By the way, I'm a nurse. I don't know if I, I did. Nurse yeah, no, but, um, and where are you? You're, I didn't catch I'm that. in Orange County. You're still, I'm okay, in Orange you're County. in Orange County. Yeah. Now. Okay. Yeah. But and, you were up um, in the Bay um, during that time. You said you were at Stanford as well. I used to live right down the street from. Oh Stanford, yeah. So yeah. Good, good, good area. Yeah. 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 So we finally moved down to Orange County where all my family is. And at that point, I had kind of cooled my heels a bit. I was getting to this point in my life where I just didn't really have the energy to hate anymore. I started letting go of a lot of my, the things that I had been hanging on to. Yeah. But I just figured I don't need God. I got this far without him. Look at me. I'm live, working my dream job, living in a dream area. Um, I just don't need God. So when we got married, my husband's Jewish, by the way. Um, we got married on a lawn at a hotel with a priest and a rabbi, you know, a, a reformed priest, right? Reformed Catholic priest. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, um, and so that was it. We just decided we're just going to be good people and that's all we need to do. So our first year of marriage, we decided that we wanted to travel and go on some trips and stuff. And we ended up being invited to this, um, to this festival out in the desert. I don't know if you've heard of it um, called Burning Man. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we went and that was kind of, that was kind of really where Satan entered my life in a very dark way. Um, I thought I was going on a camping trip, you know, with my husband and with the cool music and come as you are mentality, wear what you want, be who you are, live sure. free. Um, only to get there and find out that it was just a very dark place. Um, again, I wasn't religious. I had kind of distanced myself from God, but I knew, I knew right from wrong. You know, my parents did a good job of instilling that in me. And it got to a point where 
and I'll never forget this. This this was kind of like the turning point for me. Um, I got lost in a dust storm. There's it's out in the middle of the desert. There's crazy weather. Is this where I'm they change the location all the time, or is it always in the same? It's area? always in the same. It's it in the same area. It's in Black Rock. They call it Black Rock City. So essentially, it's in the middle of the desert. You come in. There's seventy thousand people. They set up this giant city. Got it. Um, it takes them a couple days. They get it up. You party there for ten days, and then they burn some stuff down, and then they take everything down. You would never even know anybody's been there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it's cool if you think about it, but it's a very dark place so they have so the, the two pillars of this of this place there's a temple for worship and there's also the man that they burn at the end of the of the however many 10 days you're there yeah so when i was riding around i was riding around on my bike and i got lost and i was you know on drugs and it, it just it was very scary and i got i found myself at this temple and it's like this idolatrous idolatrous temple where you there people put notes and pictures of their deceased loved ones and that you'd see people literally praying on their knees and you know doing things in front of this temple and um i thought to myself i could barely see a couple feet in front of me and i thought how did i get here like how did i get from growing up the way i was raised and knowing what i know and how did i get out here to the middle of the desert with this idolatrous tower and I just felt like God, I'm like, I, I, I abandoned God for this. Like, this is the, this is the, the big glorious thing that I'm doing. Well, it got worse after that because the very last day, like I said, they burned the man and that was, that felt like Satan worship to me. They actually call it now looking back, there's articles. It's like Baal worship. And they had incense and they had um, torches and they had people chanting and it's this giant, I don't know, maybe 30 foot, 40 foot man. And there's everybody's all in a circle completely around him and screaming, chanting. You're so far, there's so many people that you can barely even see this guy. I had no idea. I've heard people reference the festival many times and I had no, no clue. I just thought there were people, I, I, as far as I took it was people were just it was like um kind of Woodstock I just pictured people playing their music and people getting on yeah. getting high and that's pretty much all I thought about it but anyway that's what I thought I was getting myself into <laughs> I had no idea because I can tell you I came back with demons I came back with demons from this place my husband and I looked at each other and we got the heck out of there after that. We didn't even stay for that whole thing. We looked at each other. We're like, something's really wrong. We can feel this darkness, this heaviness. And we got back to our camp, packed up and left first thing in the morning. Um, and so after that, when I came home is when I started having severe panic attacks. I started having um, major, major. So I have, I have clinical OCD. It's something I've always battled. It got it got really bad after that. And that's when I started tapping into the more new age practices and trying them out. So like, you know, hallucinogenic drugs. Um, I tried, I don't know if you're familiar with lucid dreaming where you can basically control your, control your dreams. And I just had such a warped sense of 
reality at the time. I think I was seeking healing from the trauma that I had just been through. But what I didn't realize is that all these things that I was bringing into my life, the crystals, the, um, the Reiki practices, all these things were just perpetuating, right? You give Satan this little in and he just keeps going with it. And that's why my heart breaks when I see people who are, who innocently think that they're getting help and healing from these things. And it is just toxic, toxic. When did you um, realize so it was making it where this is all hindsight where you're saying it, it was perpetuating it? Yeah. So you're in the moment you're saying, okay, there's some relief here. Clearly um, some of these hallucinogenic drugs are helping or these crystals, whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know all those practices, but in other words, it was helping you uh, cope, or at least you thought it was helping you cope. They were tangible things that I could bring into my life. Interesting. Okay. They were tangible items that I could hold on to and say, okay, um, this is going to help me this or the control. There's this control aspect, right? Like if I can just control my dreams and do what I want in my dreams, then I have some element of control over my life. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I get so it. Yeah. it. It got really dark. It got really dark. And that's when I was, I can honestly say I was living in a complete state of mortal sin by the grace of God. Nothing happened to me tragically because I don't know what would have happened to my soul at that time. Um, so fast forward a little bit, I, my husband and I decided to start trying for kids and I got pregnant. And then shortly after I had a miscarriage, um, about how many weeks was I, there was a heartbeat and they couldn't find a heartbeat. It, it was a roller coaster. And, um, I remember just being at that point, you know, I had distanced myself from God. I didn't know God, but at that point I hated God. I was so mad at God because I felt like I deserved, sure. I deserved that child. And I mourned, I mourned deeply. It was probably one of the most painful things I've been through. And I did feel that call, like, come back. Like, you know, where you need to go. Like, you know, where you need to be. You were given these, you were given this gift. You're baptized. You're, you were given this gift as a child and you know, stubborn, 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 stubborn. So by the grace of God, again, I got pregnant a couple months later um, with my now daughter, uh, Ivy, who's four. And that was a huge blessing for me. But at the time, you know, my, my pregnancy was so rough. Um, I had a hard time detaching from a lot of those things. Just because you become pregnant doesn't mean, you know, I was still very much living in that state of sin, right? I couldn't drink. I couldn't smoke. But I was still not not my my soul was not healthy so of course as soon as i delivered my daughter i relapsed again and started picking up every single vice i could possibly get my hands on um and it was at that point that my mom first came to me i think she'd been kind of watching the trajectory of my life and she came to me and she said um you know it's really important that you baptize your daughter and i said well, we haven't really decided what we're going to do. I'm still freshly postpartum. I, this, I don't have time for this right now. Um, we're just going to raise her to be a good person and see what happens. She can choose if she wants to be Christian or Jewish. We don't, you know, she said, well, um, it's really important to me that you baptize her. Would you baptize her for me? I said, okay, well, what do you want me to do? 
what do I need to do? So we'll go to the, go to the church, go to the parish and ask them. And then she threw this in there. She goes, why don't you see if you can finally become Catholic? <laughs> I was like, okay. You know, I have like all the time in the world right now. I've got this colicky newborn. I am deep, deep, deep into postpartum depression. Can even get myself out of bed most days. But you're asking me to become Catholic. Cool. Like that's first on my priority list. So I did it. I went down to the church and uh, I talked to them and they were able to do it pretty quickly and seamlessly. I know after all that I went through, they got my paperwork from, from UCLA. They paired it with my baptism and my confirmation and everything. And I became Catholic within a few months that Easter vigil. My daughter was born in November. I reached out to the church. I probably in like February and by Easter vigil, I was Catholic. Unbelievable. Yeah. So by, so you go into, (laughs) you go into the office and you just say, Hey, uh, here's my story. You know, here's where, here's where we left off basically. And it was this, like you said, it was seamless. That just blows my mind after you felt so rejected years before because of the whole, you know, like, okay, you're going to have to hold off for a little bit. And a lot of people deal with that. A lot of people have been told you're going to have to, um, whether it's related to paperwork or it's related to their journey, even me returning to the church, I had to wait several months uh, before I was received back into the church. You know, priests have that that ability. I mean, everyone has a different story, but that ability right. to tell like, okay, you're not right. You might be zealous right now, but you need to slow down and understand yeah. the gravity of what it means to be back in the Catholic church, back in <laughs> the one, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I think people don't see that part. It is hard to see it, but, um, but go on. You were, you were saying that's just crazy to me that it was so seamless. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. So I became Catholic Easter vigil. And then my daughter became Catholic in June. I baptized her in June. So she was six months old. Um, and then at this point, you got to remember, you know, I was still, yes, I was Catholic, but I was still using my vices. I was not going to mass. I had never been to confession. I mean, <laughs> when I became Catholic, I knew nothing about Catholicism. You got to think like, most people go through RCIA and they do the whole thing, which I did, but that was a decade prior. I'd forgotten all that. And even if I, my memory is not great, but it's not like I was freshly brought into it after everything I had been through, Got it. after all the poor choices I made. God. And in a way I almost wish, well, no, God had his perfect plan for a reason. Right. But, um, Maybe I wouldn't have, maybe it wouldn't have been such a bad idea for me to go to confession and maybe get these things done prior to actually entering the faith. Sure. Yeah. But my story had to happen the way it did. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So after that, like I said, I was not living a good Catholic life and um, my life started to unravel. Remember I told you I was so happy about my job and my marriage and yeah, all that started to crumble. Um, my husband and I were going through some very, very tough times, very tough times. Um, we didn't quite know how we were going to proceed forward. I was in a very dark place. Um, and this was in 2019, 2019. 
And my mom comes to me again and she said, Hey, you know, um, my friend and I, my childhood friend and I want to, or her, my, one of our dear friends who I had known since I was a child and her, one of her very good friends, she's like, I have this calling in my heart to revive old miraculous metals. And Michelle and I are going to find old vintage metals and clean them up and try to, and try to give them to people and sell them. I was like, okay, I don't even know what that is, but she, she I was like, okay. And she goes, um, I have one for you. Will you put it on? And I said, well, um, I like my jewelry the way I like my jewelry. I have a very specific way I do things. I don't know what this is. Um, she goes, you don't really have to know what it is. Just, would you just put it on for me? Will you just put it on for me? And I said, okay. And that was it. That was it. So I like to divide my life into two, um, two phases, right? My life before Mary, before the miraculous medal and my life after Mary and after the miraculous medal, the ways I suffered before and the ways I suffered after, um, the lessons I learned before and the lessons I learned after. Um, I can honestly tell you the first six months I had it on were brutal, absolutely brutal. Things got worse in my marriage. Um, things got worse pretty much in all aspects of my life, but I never took it off. I never took it off and I couldn't figure out what it was about it that comforted me. And now remember, I, I was into that very tangible. I wanted something to hold on to that was going to bring me, that was going to fix all my problems, right? But I put this on and my problems became worse, but I felt protected. I felt safe. So come around to spring of 2020, we all know what happened in spring of 2020, right? Yep. And I'm working, working in the emergency department. And I'm, that's when the, the graces really started to come, very tangible graces. And I, there's kind of three different miracles that I can kind of talk about. The first one being my marriage. My marriage got easier. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, after being on the brink of basically divorce, to, to this sense of, of relief, like, hey, what happens? feels like there's like a cloud that's been lifted. Now we have a very good, very good friends who are very Catholic and um, they're actually my husband's friends. And I called her and I'm like, hey, you know, this is all very new to me. She was kind of like my mentor, like my guide at this point. And I said, this is all very new to me, but um, do you think this metal has anything to do with the fact that like my marriage has gotten better? She goes, yeah, it could be. Or it could be the fact that my husband and I just finished praying a 54 day rosary and novena for you and your husband. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's a little weird, you know, very weird. I said, it's probably a fluke. It's probably a fluke. I never took it off. So then, you know, I'm working in the emergency department. And at this point, we kind of started this miraculous revival. I, I started doing the Instagram real, right as the pandemic started as kind of like a creative outlet for me. I had no idea what I was doing. I just kind of like, oh, I'll help you, help you mom, we'll do, we'll do this, you know? Um, and so she had given me a handful of miraculous medals and I kept them in my locker. And um, I had the opportunity to give some of them out to patients. 
very interesting what happens when you can visibly and tangibly see healing happen right in front of your eyes. And I'm not saying this happens every single time somebody puts on a miraculous metal that they're going to be cured. Sure. But God was showing me what I needed to see. There was a woman who came in who was sent directly to the ER because her platelets were super low, critically low. She needed a transfusion. She had just had her blood drawn in the doctor's office. They sent her over to be admitted for a blood transfusion. Well, in the ER, we, re we redraw the blood, no matter what, we always redraw the blood. And she was telling me that she was Catholic and that she'd fallen away from her faith. And she just, she's like, I'm done. I've been fighting this for so long. I just want to go home. And I said, well, do me, humor me. I said, let's just put this on and see what happens. So gave it to her, put it around her neck, drew her blood and her platelets were not only fine, they were completely normal. She had just had her blood drawn like a couple hours ago at a doctor's office. She went home. That's she went home and so I'm thinking, okay, maybe it was another fluke. It had, has to be a fluke, right? Until the third miracle happened. And that was my, my pregnancy. Um, same year, 2020, it was May, our late feast of Our Lady of Fatima, May 13th. And my mom again <laughs> called me and she said, hey, you know, Our Lady of Fatima Parish, the one that I became Catholic in, um, they are having a drive it through blessing. You can go and get a blessing from the priest. And um, I said, okay, you know, I'll get out. I'll take my daughter. Let's just go. Let's get out. It's COVID. We're all locked in anyway. I didn't want to go. I was reluctant. It worked out with the nap schedule. So I went and I drove through and the priest asked me and he goes, hey, you know, is there any, anything specific you want to pray for? And I said, or that you'd like a blessing for. And I said, um, you know, I, I really just want a baby. And I started crying. And I, we had been on and off. Oh, I don't want to say trying, but I'd, I'd been wanting a, a second child for a long time. And it was one of those things where in the midst of our marital struggles, there was this, what does God want? What does God want? Do we have more children and make this work? Do we end things and not make it work? Like, what do you want, Lord? Um, but I knew deep down that I wanted that baby and um, got home, tucked my daughter in and prayed my first rosary ever. I had never prayed the rosary before. Like I had my little booklet out and I'm like literally reading it. I didn't know the Hail Mary or anything. And um, I felt this little tug in my heart, like go take a pregnancy test. And I said, oh, gosh, I don't want to. It's just going to be another month of letdown. Like, why wouldn't it be? Um, so I took a test and at first it was negative. I put it in the trash and then I grabbed it again and I looked and it was positive. Nine months later, my daughter Zoe was born. Incredible. So, wow. Yeah. So those are the three miracles that I kind of, um, I look back and I'm thinking, okay, God was showing me what I needed to see when I needed to see it, how he knew I needed to, needed to see it because I said, yes, because I simply put this on, didn't know what it was. And I never took it off after that. And I don't want people thinking that just because you put on a, a, a miraculous metal that your life is going to be like great. And you're going to have all these miracles. My life got really, really hard after that, really hard after I got pregnant. Um, 
almost like a purification period where I was out of work. I got an infection on my face from the N95 mask at work. I got, ended up with an infection that went all the way across my face, all the way around my mouth, all the way down my chest, all here. It was humiliating, humiliating to go anywhere. And now I had been a person who took pride in my looks. Don't forget the party girl, the gym girl. I took pride in my looks. I took pride in my work. And here I was out on workers leave um, with my face bleeding into my masks because at that point we couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't even go to the grocery store. Um, in the middle of summer, trying to wear, you know, t-shirts and stuff. My legs, um, I got horrible, horrible veins on my legs to the point where I couldn't even go outside for walks. Um, my legs hurt so bad, so bad. And they were so, they were such an eyesore. I basically lived like a hermit for those nine months. And in those nine months, I experienced loss. I had, we had death. We had just all kinds of horrible things going on. But the best thing that happened was I had nowhere to go. I had nothing else to lean on. I had no drugs that could take. I was pregnant. I had nothing I could drink. And I said, you know what? Maybe there is something about Mary. Maybe there is something about this Catholic faith. And if there's ever going to be a time for me to learn about it, it's going to be now before my second baby comes while I'm stuck here at home. So I just completely immersed myself in all of it. And I just started learning, learning, learning. Eventually went for some confession and um, got myself some spiritual direction. And it, it just, the weight started to lift, even though I was suffering. I mean, it was hard. It was really hard, but it was beautiful suffering. Yeah. And I was going to say, so that oppression, if I may call it that, that kind of entered after or during Burning Man, did you feel that that was carried through until reconciliation, until you were pregnant, until you put on the medal? Because you did say it was like the, there's one phase and or one chapter, here's the other chapter. When did you feel, because you went through hell <laughs> after that? after that experience at the concert or gathering, whatever you want to call it, um, when did that kind of lift? You know, it's an interesting question. I, I do believe at the Easter vigil, you know, they do an exorcism of yep. writing. Yep. I believe some of, I believe some of the demons were, were released at that time. Again, at my daughter's baptism, I felt, I felt lighter after that as well. Um, and then I think what finished him off was me putting on the miraculous medal. It was just kind of like hands off. Like she's mine. She doesn't even know she's mine, but you can't touch her. <laughs> Try all you want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I went through some major confession after that. I did a general confession later. I mean, there, I've done all the, all the things, but um, I think those demons started to flee after I started receiving those those blessings and sacraments, and then after putting on, after putting on the medal. Um, I forget where we were going with this. Oh, sorry. So, I, I no, no, you're good. Um, no. Oh, I remember what I was going to tell you. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. After that's when I started praying the rosary. The rosary too. That's when a lot of that started to come off. All of those that oppression, right? Yeah. Um, during those, during those nine months, I did two 54 day rosary novenas back to back. I did one 
And I did a second one because I'm an all or nothing person. <laughs> I'm not just going to say I'm going to pray the rosary every day. I need to commit. So I did that. And then with my second one, I actually consecrated to Our Lady as well and fasted. So I was completely stripped, completely stripped of everything. Um, and that is where God does his best work. That's where, that's where it happened. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I had my daughter and after that, I started to kind of go into that postpartum depression again, but this time Mary didn't allow that nonsense to happen again. I, I started, I started, um, I started picking up my old habits, picking up my old vices and, um, I felt her clearly, clearly lead me to confession clearly lead me to confession. I was so lukewarm at the time. And um, the priest just told me, he goes, you, you just gotta, you just gotta be with Jesus more. You just gotta come, just come. So that's when I started doing adoration and, you know, going for more regular confession and eventually did a general confession and got rid of all of it. I confessed all of it. I sat with the priest for an hour. Um, and I, gave, I physically handed over my vices to him. This is last year, last August. And I said, here you go, take them, trash them. I said, because I, if I have them in my possession, like I'm literally so weak um, that even after I leave confession, I'll just go right back to him. So he threw them away for me and I never, never went back. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my story. How Mary brought me to Jesus, you know? Wow. Wow. Have yeah. you had... Um... Have you had a chance, many chances to share this story? Because I find that so fascinating that it's so funny. Uh, yeah, my wife shared with me, now I'm putting it together, how she connected with you through the restoration project. Uh, if you can, is that what you would call it? Anyway, um, <laughs> if I heard that someone was doing that as a business, my mind would immediately go to cradle Catholic believe it or not i don't know why but it, it just does have you had a chance to talk about this journey with other um orthodox protestant have you have you had a chance to share this whole story because i mean it's very new too i get that it's, it's this so new yeah it's so new and you know i i really am still in kind of this spiritual warfare constantly it's still constant just because i've had this major conversion it doesn't, it, it's, it's still very hard for me. Like the temptations are still very real. The, that, that temptation to just switch into a mental and spiritual state of darkness is very real. If I'm not on top of it, like going to adoration, going to confession, um, you know, using my sacramentals, my exercise oil and water and salt, and I have exercise bells. I mean, I, because I feel like Satan is very much like, he's mad. He had me. He had me. You're, and now he doesn't. You're absolutely right. And people, uh, if they don't quite understand the battle, the, the principalities and, and what it means to be in the body and yet to have forces that are trying to crush you, basically, yeah. they may not understand that. But what you're doing is you're putting on the armor of Christ and you can't take pieces of armor off and expect to keep fighting. Um, th this is persevere. Those that persevere to the end will be saved. That's where this comes into play. You don't, 
as beautiful as conversion is, it in no way implies that temptations fall and, and everything's just perfect. Mm -hmm. No, there's going to be suffering. But like you said, that understanding of how it can be beautiful and how it can purify and sanctify and hopefully what you're doing now being so open about what you've dealt with that's to help other people that are clearly in the same confusing state sometimes like what why am i still going through whatever mental harassment i mean i detail that in my book and i just some of it you just say man this is ridiculous but you have to understand it's a it's a war spiritual warfare absolutely it is and i wish i could share um you know i have very close friends and family who are orthodox and they have listened to my story and they have heard and yeah. with them it's it's very similar i mean they wear they wear stuff with mary on it too and they're very close to mary Theotokos. um yep with my with my protestant friends it's it's hard it's very hard for me um it's almost like there's a wall. Yeah. Um, and I'm not the type of person to push. Like I don't, when I was pushed into stuff my whole life, I always wanted to do the exact opposite thing. And I know that that's how a lot of people, that's how we're human. Right. Yeah. Um, so I just try to lead by example, even in my own home with my husband, who I absolutely adore. And he's told me you're a much nicer person since he found Jesus. So thank you. You know, um, so for anybody who's known me prior to this whole conversion, I think most people would say you're a better person now than you were before. So I just hope that my testimony can kind of help anybody. I mean, even if one person gets something from this and says and realizes just, you know, God will give you the grace that you need and it's going to look different for different people. Yeah. Right. Yep. Not everybody's going to see things tangibly. Maybe some people will have um, an experience with like a vision or, or some, everybody just, we all get different grace. And I think since Mary is the mediatrix of grace, she has a very special role in this. And so as long as we say yes to her and just say, you know, I'm open to it. I'm open to you. I don't even know who you are or, you know, what your role is. You're the mother of God. You have to know your son very well. Exactly. So if anybody's going to bring me to Jesus, it's going to be you. So that's it. That's no, that, that's, that's a great point. Great, great point. Um, yeah. Are, are, are there any people that are, I don't know if I've asked this on other episodes, I would imagine some people are skeptical. Oh, you're Catholic because you were raised Orthodox and it's, it's so similar that that's your truth. In other words, that's what I'm getting at. How do you now having researched the church defend the church uh for those that may just say that's convenient because i know those comments are out there it's how you were raised you're simply comfortable and you were talking about fitting in but i know you had that experience if you can talk about that and like what you learned about the the church and its beginnings maybe or however you navigated that I feel very blessed that I was given this upbringing. I feel that the more I learn about scripture, the more I learn about 
the church and the history. I watched your one of your videos actually about your conversion story and just mm -hmm. how you dissected the different layers of the church going back in time. And I'm not I'm not an intellectual. That's not my thing. So I'm not. So I've never really gotten too much into that, but I can honestly say my testimony for me, right? Like, I don't know all the nitty gritties. I don't know all the details. I have my testimony. Yeah. Bingo. That's it. Yep. Mary, I, I tried getting to Jesus before. Couldn't get to Jesus without Mary. You want to say it's idolatry? I'm not part I'm not playing that game. Yeah. She, she converted my heart. So, um, there's that. Um, and I think just the healing power of the, of the sacraments, right? Like I wouldn't, I, maybe I would have gone and been prayed over, or I forget what you called it, the call it where they call you up and altar, that call. Stuff. altar call, Yeah, you know? Um, but as you know, the true healing, which I needed from that demonic, the demonic activity that I had been experiencing, I needed the sacraments. I needed reconciliation. Yeah. I needed the Eucharist. I need the Eucharist. We all need it. And so just the more I read and the more miracles I see and the more things I, I learn, I'm just like, there's no other way. Yeah. And well, then just no back to way. your point about the uh, tangibility of everything, the sacraments just blows your mind when you can understand that God is so loving that he meets us in such a human way, continuation, things that we can understand, things that we can touch and see, and not just mere symbols. I mean, Jesus okay. came to the earth and left a church, and this is what's so mind-boggling about the sacraments, and it pains me to see when things are so reduced to mere symbols and treated sometimes as if they are efficacious you know what i mean it's oh i 100 know what you mean it's yeah. really yeah it's really tough um especially yeah you understand just becoming catholic and then having your eyes opened to the reality of this and what you said about mary um that's another thing that's so difficult for for many non-catholic christians to get and how she does lead you and it by by acknowledging that that is just acknowledging our mother in heaven and in no way leads to um latria you know worship it's hyperdulia and i think we should talk about that more to make sure that people know that she has a phenomenal part just like she gave birth to the incarnate <laughs> So exactly. I, exactly. yeah, but it's, again, it's hard to communicate if you don't have that foundational understanding, but I digress. Um, thank you. Is there anything else you want to share about anything? I guess just if I could give one piece of, I feel like when we're talking about this, not a lot of people don't understand just the beauty and the trueness and the tangibility of these things. And I want to, for a while there, from the time I became Catholic to my like actual spiritual conversion, I didn't understand it. Yeah. So I didn't have reverence for it. I would occasionally show up to mass, you know, and just think I was taking a symbol. I mean, I didn't know. And so my whole thing is like, you know, there's this big kind of division in the church right now. 
And I think we all just need to be really kind to each other because you don't know if that girl over there who is wearing a short skirt and going out to go smoke in her car, that was me. You don't know what she's going through. You don't know where she is on her faith journey. So instead of just being so quick to say, oh, um, you know, you're uh, this or that, modernist, this and that, like instead bring her in to learn how to love Jesus first. And then that love of the rules, the rules that I hated so much, the tradition that I hated so much, that love comes where I don't want to step into a church now in any way and be disrespectful because I know I know the sanctity of what is going on in there. I understand it, but I wouldn't have understood it if I didn't first fall in love with Jesus and Mary, right? So there's that order of things where we need to, be, to understand that that love comes. If, you, if they don't have that love and that understanding, how are they going to appreciate the reverence that they should be having when they come into, into the church? So that's just my one little thing for anybody who's thinking of converting, you know, don't be put off by the rules. The, the rules will come. First, find Jesus, let Mary help you get there, and the rest will just happen. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, in, in Catholic uh, moral teaching, it's, you know, you have this tremendous conversion, and from that conversion through grace, you're able to form better habits and hopefully attain virtue over time. And in that process, the law or the rules or however you want to view those those things those become beautiful if you just come in and you see the law first or the rule book or the decrees in this list well then it's completely upside down you can't and typically if you're walking by the flesh that's the first thing you see is law walking by the spirit you can understand, okay, God is changing my heart because I opened myself up to his grace and he wants what's best for me. And these are guardrails that I should value with everything in me. So yeah. Awesome. 100%. Well, cool. Thank you so much uh, for for doing this. I really appreciate it. That's a phenomenal story. And again, for, like I've mentioned to many people, I just appreciate the fact that you're so transparent about all those different phases really appreciate that um everyone oh yeah my pleasure everyone please share the video please like it please comment and until next time take care and god bless bye